Welcome, listener. Join us for this Clear Path to Success professional development podcast. Thank you for tuning in today and listening to this Clear Path podcast. It's another very important podcast. We have Callie Guymond on. Callie is a government affairs professional and has been for the last 20 years with a focus on integrative health policy. She has seen overseen numerous DC fly-ins, national conventions, congressional briefings, and management of legislation at both the federal and state level. Another important note is Callie is also a licensed acupuncturist, so she definitely has the best of both worlds and the best of both backgrounds to be able to advocate for our field. And uh, you have been for some time, Callie, and we really do appreciate it. I also want to mention that uh, Callie is also the president of Health Policy Advocacy Institute, HPI, um, and that's a 501c3 educational organization. Mission is to level the policy playing field. This is all about policy. So, and you do this through teaching organizations and their memberships, for example, Acupuncture Society of New York, and you've worked with others within the acupuncture profession. And you look to teach them the most effective grassroots techniques. And uh, this is going to be a great, uh, who better to, to, to do this with than you, Callie, because we're going to dive into, uh, we haven't spoken in about a year, so we're going to dive into all the latest issues uh, that face the acupuncture and Chinese medicine profession. But Callie, I'd like to turn it over to you, and maybe you want to expand on your background for the audience um, who you are new to. Sure. Um, So you're right. I am a government affairs professional who started out in finance um, and then somewhere along the way got very, very sick. I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 33 years old. And at the time, I didn't know anything about acupuncture, but I had this really phenomenal Western medicine doctor who did. And so he introduced me to a whole different way of being. And I was hooked up with a nutritionist and um, an herbalist, and it was a Chinese herbalist, and acupuncture. And I was so amazed by how I felt after acupuncture. At a, at, you know, and I had stage three cancer when I, when I was finally diagnosed. And I made a full recovery. I'm a 16-year survivor. Um, and I credit it fully to the, the Chinese medicine community. Um, and such that I, I needed to know what that magic was. And so I went and studied it for five and a half years and ended up with a doctorate in Oriental medicine and, um, and then started sitting on the national board for the American Society of Acupuncturists. And they really allowed me to meld my background with this new uh, industry and this love of mine. And, um, you know, unfortunately, along the way, my husband died. And, and so I had to, I had to really just turn my focus to government affairs, uh, because he left me with a company to run. And he, uh, he also, you know, left this life too, too early. Um, So I didn't have a plan. And unfortunately, acupuncture as a soul, as a soul practitioner is very difficult to make a living when you have to to turn around and also feed your children. And so I devoted the rest of my time just to government affairs with a mission. And that is, uh, it, you know, I'm often accused of um, ulterior motives. My only ulterior motive is I want everyone in this field to be gainfully employed at what they studied. And I'm not going to stop until that happens. And so you know, it takes me into the federal realm more often than it does the states now. Yes, I do work with ASNI, um, and we've done some amazing work over there uh, in terms of all of their um, advocacy efforts. But ultimately, what we're going to talk about today has to do with Medicare inclusion and some recent events that are, that are making it even harder for me to sell the idea that Medicare inclusion is a good idea. So. Well, you have your hands full, and who better? I mean, I know more of your story than than most people, and it's pretty incredible everything you've been through. And here you are, still fighting, and often not too popular fight. Um, but the the gains that you have made working with other organizations in our field, 
uh, including Asni, are incredible. I mean, it's just leaps and bounds better. The outreach, the organization, um, people, the committees, and everybody getting together, and the overall increase. Well, we still need more people, but the increase in membership of these organizations and just the awareness and, and willingness for people to get involved. And you have that ability as well. But, you know, it is a thankless position. Everybody who volunteers for these organizations, they work their tails off and they often get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of strife or a lot of pushback. They do. Because, but this is why these conversations are so important. And this is why it's so important for people to get involved and, uh, you know, ha have their voices heard and really work with everybody. And the Medicare is a perfect example of this. And there has been a lot of back and forth and maybe we can clear up the air a little bit. And then after that, if we have time, I'd like to maybe talk about other scope of practice issues that maybe you're aware of. I know sure. we talked about some last year, but what is this is a very contentious topic, this Medicare inclusion. What is your overall, what are, do you see as the overall benefits of this Medicare inclusion at a national level and how does it benefit the profession as a whole? So it is a hard uh, sell right now, especially when you start seeing the things that are coming out of uh, CMS or the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services where they are looking to reduce the value of, of acupuncture down from the CP, CPT code of like 3.55, that's their relative value unit, which is then multiplied, right, by whatever conversion factor in whatever state or region that you're in, down to the dry needling code, they crosswalked the wrong code. Um, and I'm saying that loud and clear. So if anybody from CMS is listening, I hope they hear me. Um, they, they crosswalked the, dry the new dry needling code without ever looking at the acupuncture codes that have been on the book since uh, 2004. And that relative value unit would go down to 0.48. So, so let me be clear. If you were making roughly, let's say in the state of New York, uh, Manhattan in particular, you could make, according to what you were doing before with a 3.55 and then a lower rate, I think it's 3.04 for the 97811 code, you could make about $95 an hour in order to, to treat your patients. So how do they, <laughs> how does this line up? Now, if you, now, if they, if they go through with this code change, with this relative value unit change, you would make roughly $10.89 for the same hour that you God, that is a huge, and is this, this is a more recent uh, uh, issue that's come up, right? I mean, there was, that's right. the previous issue was, should we even be included in Medicare and all the, you know, well, what about uh, the uh, inability to see people outside of patients outside of Medicare? Right. All those were issues before that were kind of getting handled and, 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 wrestled with you know but now now this is a whole new issue so that's an incredible right. reduction it's, it's not even a living wage and so what it what it does is and what we so the public comment section uh for cms turned that that ended on october 5th and asni put forward comments a lot of the the industry put forward comments just focusing on the difference between dry needling and acupuncture and the intensity of that and the education that's coming from these amazing practitioners. ASNI followed my lead, which was to blatantly point out the, um, the crosswalking of those codes. Because for, for people who are in other, in other uh, professions, physical therapists, chiropractors, you know, we, don't, we can't even worry about the MDs. Um, they have their own things to deal with, and, and they are. For them, it's a modality. For us, it's a profession. And so what it does effectively is it locks us out of a mainstream Western medicine uh, ability to be incorporated into hospitals, to, to, be, um, to be incorporated into federal programs, because we can't afford to take part in it. And then what it does is it relegates acupuncture to 
services performed by people who are not experts in acupuncture. So, so let if me I back may, up. Kind of, if, I may, if I may, I <laughs> sure. want to I want to interject here because I was thinking about this as we're talking, and you brought up a really good point last year in our podcast. This is why everything that's going on right now should not be a deterrent for people to go into their corners or go go into their own, you know, their and hide, let's put it that way, and not be a part of this. Right. But you said something to the effect, and I'll paraphrase that we have other professionals dictating the coverage and scope of practice and all other aspects of our field. That's and, right. And that it's happened because people have been uninvolved. And this is now a time to really step up and say, okay, we need to get control in the decision-making process for our field. And we're not. And boy, this past year, I, I, I hate to say it. I, I, I wish it would, could have gone the other way, but this is more and more examples are coming out of the detriment and how detrimental it is rather that we don't have that kind of say. Now it is improving though. So I want to say is. that, right? It is improving. It is. And we can maybe talk about those examples, but I just wanted to let people know that this is exactly it. When you said they treat it like a modality, they don't treat it like it's, it's our primary means of staying alive, right? Staying That's right. In, 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 in practice. So uh, I just wanted to add that little part. I'll, I'll let you continue. I'm sorry to. Well, that's a beautiful segue into what I was about to back up and say was, you know, the last time that we met, I was pointing out and, and often being called chicken little, which is uh, that acupuncture was being sought on a federal level from the VA to the DOD to Indian Health Services you name it, they are looking to provide, and ultimately CMS was going to jump on that bandwagon, and acupuncture would be covered, but licensed acupuncturists would not, because we are not included in the Social Security Act, where everybody else is. And so what, what strangely happened right after you and I spoke, I think it was in November, by December, there was a um, CMS guideline that was issued that we provided comments for that covered acupuncture for chronic low back pain only, right? And it, you can see the NCCAOM's work on a federal level because they, they took the time um, and used their resources and their lobbyists at Smith Buckland to make sure that auxiliary personnel were labeled. And it's clear from the certifications that are required, the ACOM accredited schools that you, you need to be graduating from with their programs. It's clear they're talking about acupuncturists, but they never list us. They never say it. They call us auxiliary personnel. Moreover, un, you know, unlike every other state uh, scope of practice and state law, they said that we needed to be supervised by a medical. Uh, a, a physician, so an MD, or a nurse practitioner, or a physician's assistant. And that is inconsistent with every single state law. We just, we don't have that. We have a certain amount, amount of autonomy that we had to fight for on a state level to get there. And in one fail swoop, CMS revoked that autonomy, even though we are clearly who they're talking about. Now it goes on to say that other forms of acupuncture, so if it's not for chronic low back pain, and dry needling are not covered by CMS. Now, here was my fear from the beginning. My fear was they are already engaged in their own, like federal government, NIH studies regarding the efficacy of acupuncture. And when those are done, they're going to expand and acupuncture will be covered. So what happens when all of acupuncture is covered and now we haven't bothered to be included in the SSA, remove that supervision that is necessary because that's actually, it's consistent with um, federal law that there would be some supervision for this, especially since the professionals are not covered. What happens when all of acupuncture is covered and you have uh, the physical therapist who I'm sure are working on um, removing a lot of that auxiliary personnel language, or at least expanding on it, not necessarily removing it, but adding to it with their own certification programs, right? 
So suddenly you've got physical therapists who can do this too. And we haven't changed the law yet. And so we're still not covered. So that is of the utmost importance. That's, that is the first thing that has to happen. And then ultimately what happened just recently is CMS came in and decided they, they want acupuncture. They just don't want to pay a lot for it. And we're talking about the largest buyer of healthcare services in the nation. And we're talking about 60 million people. I mean, I think the, the number, the percentage of people who don't choose Medicare is so minuscule, like it ranks somewhere between three and 4%. So suddenly, we as acupuncturists, if they expand to cover acupuncture, we lose an entire population that we can treat without supervision. And therefore, we lose what we can bill. And now they're telling you that even if you, even if we change the SSA, that if this guideline goes through and these numbers shift, then we can't really get paid very much for it, which is fine if you're a physical therapist who has a lot of other things that are being used in mainstream medicine for, or if you're an MD who's billing for other things, or a chiropractor who's billing for other things. For us, it's all we can bill for. And now they're telling us that they want to limit what we can charge for that, not by a little, but by a lot. So, if we're, it, so how do I sell like Medicare inclusion at that point, right? So can you just remind the listeners uh, what CMS and SSA stand for? Sure. Um, Center for Medicaid, or Medicare and Medicaid Services, the CMS, and um, SSA is the Social Security Act. And so it, it's a, a huge, huge piece of legislation that went through that defined how the government was going to provide the largest social service, which is Medicare for our elderly population, and Medicaid, which is for the states to provide um, uh, services to those who are poverty stricken, right? Right. So, how do we? Uh, ha- what are the plans on ways to address this? And I know that uh, Representative Judy Chu, she's a Congresswoman out of California at the federal level, uh, mm-hmm. has a couple bills that actually have licensed acupuncturists listed. Will that help at all, or is this something that we have to directly address? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and let, me, let me be clear. Um, when ASNI put forward their comments, my, my comments that have to do with the crosswalking and, and how blatantly wrong that was, um, Representative Chu reached out and asked if uh, we needed any help. And so um, they have adopted uh, some versions that came out of the American Society of Acupuncturists and uh, ASNI. And we expect them to meld those comments. So it, it goes a long way for a sitting member of Congress to pick up the phone and call a regulatory agency like CMS and also to submit public comments, um, calling them out for that. They've also, I believe, um, they got Del Benny to sign on board. Uh, Representative Del Benny, I, I believe, was reached out to by her constituency base. And then um, I'm looking to see if I can't reach out to Tim Ryan, who does my acupuncture on the Hill every, every year when it's not COVID related. Um, and Connor Lamb, who does a lot with regards to veterans care and, and is a very, very strong promoter of um, integrative environments for veterans. And, and that includes acupuncture in his bills. And then Shaheen, which is the, the Senator that is also um, she adopted Judy Chu's bill in the Senate. So oh, it, a lot nice. of, yeah, so there's, a, there's been a lot that's happening behind the scenes. And, and yes, if we could get more people on board to call their um, representatives to sign and, and their senators to sign onto these bills so that these two women are not going it alone in Congress, then we could see movement that actually may have some impact, not this year, by the way, not in, not before this election. And (laughs) I mean, this is definitely a a job for the 117th Congress. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is nearly done. Yeah. But we, we are looking at, honestly, um, 
I don't know if CMS is going to, we had about 4,000 plus comments that had to do with that acupuncture portion. It's a very large uh, list of guidelines. But the way that we wrote ours at ASNI was almost the beginning of a citizen's petition because this, this industry will not survive if that happens. And let me tell you why. CMS is the largest buyer, purchaser of healthcare services. The codes that they put forward, which are sometimes different than CPT codes, they have their own. Um, those codes then impact private insurers across the board. So they impact private insurers, they impact workers' compensation programs. All the places where we are working currently, and we've made leaps and strides, that will be affected. And, and that will effectively drive this profession back to the spas. It yeah. will, you know, because we just won't be able to do it. Yeah, the, the, a lot of the fee schedules that are out there with insurance companies, workers' compensation, uh, and, and, you know, all the other types of insurance are often based off of the Medicare fee schedule. That's so, right. and then obviously if that goes down by a 10 factor or even more, I mean, my God, it's going from 11%. That's what it's going down to, right? Right. And and mind you, 11% may not sound like a lot, but when you're making less than $100, 11% is a huge deal, right? Oh, it's, so. it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's, it, and, and we're already seeing this, Josh, just, just so we're clear. Medicare fee schedules are already affecting private insurers. We are seeing in New York, for example, private insurers are now, they used to pay for one unit of 97810 and three units of 97811. Now they're saying they're only going to pay for two units. And anything more than that, you're going to have to explain, which means they're going to pay for two units. Right. And that's coming directly from Medicare. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that you're going to start seeing. And actually, uh, we've already seen it. I mean, I, I've built insurance in the past. And, and you know, you see that there's a limit on the number of uh, additional acupuncture codes you can use. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a big problem as well. Can you, do you, have, do you know, do you have the bill numbers in case anybody wants to look up these sure. two bills that were introduced by Judy Chu? And it sounds like we have additional people co-sponsoring the bill now over the past year. We do, and that's the direct efforts of um, the American Society of Acupuncturists. When they were on the Hill, they were able to add um, co-sponsors to that list. I, I expect big things from them to, to keep furthering that process coming up. Let me, um, I've got to type something in just to make sure that I've got the Senate bill correct. But it is uh, 1182, so HR 1182 and 1183 are choose bills. One was, they're almost identical. One is more of a veterans bill. And that was the primary focus prior to um, Medicare deciding they were going to cover acupuncture. And the reason was, if they had focused on both the heroes, which are veterans, and seniors, which is Medicare, and the regulatory agency did not cover it, then we would get pushback from the regulatory agency. And that bill is dead on arrival, if that's the case. And so um, they did the right thing and they focused on the veterans bill because we were already within the VA system. And so um, once that guideline hit, uh, you can see a concerted effort, a change and a shift inside of Judy Chu's office where they are, um, they are primarily going to start focusing on the the heroes and, and seniors bill. So let me find, um, yeah, it's the Acupuncture for Heroes and Seniors Act of 2019. It will be, and, and this, is, this bill has been around for a very long time. She has done, she has reinstated it year, you know, a congressional session, which is two years long after congressional session. And she's going to do that again. So it won't remain as HR 1183. It'll have a different number once, January comes and there's a new a new uh, Congress and then let me find the related bills um, hang on. Actually, it appears that the Senate bill primarily reflects um, The language for 1182 and so that would just be the veterans bill. So it would behoove us 
quickly to encourage this office to when they re-engage that they pick up the larger bill that has to do with the medicare piece and so the senate bill is acupuncture for our heroes act of 2019 in that senate 2914 and they're easy easy to look up so people can read through those and what can listeners do to really help support these bills and get them moving along and well, okay. So the first thing that people need to do is uh, join their state association. And, and I need people to understand that, yes, individual action is amazing, but nothing is more powerful than a collective voice. And then the second thing that they need to do is ask their state association if they are members of the American Society of Acupuncturists. And the reason is, this is the only group that is federally recognized as a stakeholder, I mean, along with the NCCAOM, but the only like membership-based group that is recognized as a stakeholder that Judy Chu will listen to other organizations or other uh, offices will pick up on that as well. And so join your state association. If they are not an ASA member, encourage them to do so, so that you've got this national voice. And ASA is partnered up with NCCAOM which is always good because let's face it, this is an organization who has uh, both the money and, um, and the current lobbyist to make sure that they are on the hill looking out for those interests. And then we come down to individual effort. So, you know, I teach grassroots to these, I work with a lot of the state associations and, and in order to implement, because you need to complement the the lobbying effort on the hill and lobbyists will tell you they're only as good as their their clients grassroots efforts and that's why you see the ama um, and the nurses association um, put so much money and time and effort into training advocates for their industry and so from our end what we're doing i think you and i met at the the atlantic symposium right yeah the yep, first but, time mm-hmm Okay, so the next one that's coming up is going to be in, uh, I'll do a little plug here for, for them, um, is going to be November 7th through 9th of 2021, and it's, it's outside of um, Charleston, South Carolina, on a beach, 16 oh, acres of beach. Nice. <laughs> better, better than uh, the last one in 2019. Yeah, I, I basically <laughs> said, anybody ever, ever tries to send me to Newark again, I'm going to consider it punishment, and I'm just not going to go. <laughs> so, But what I am going to do is I've partnered with Atlantic Symposium to provide training incorporated into their price of tickets so that they are, we're training an army. We are building an army because the more we can teach individuals how to be best utilized by their states and by their national organization, the louder this groundswell gets. And the more exciting that is because then they're going to have the training to do the outreach that is necessary to grab co-sponsors. And they're going to look as organized as they possibly can because let's face it, historically, we are sort of viewed as an industry that, you know, for lack of a better term, cannot get their uh, shit together. together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, well, I mean, one example of this is the, the day on the hill. And this is why over the past year I've seen, um, I've seen uh, disagreements within the field mm -hmm. with all these different things. And one of the issues that plagues our field is, we'll have people expect a complete 100% consensus on anything. And if, you know, um, if you're not 100% with me, then, you know, you're against me. And that's just like, no, or the saying goes 99% right. like with whatever, then you're against me. But the point being is that that's not how it works. And you've managed to, um, you know, kind of help that, help people see like, hey, the bigger picture here, we need to organize. We're not going to agree on everything. If we can agree on agree on some of these things, and if we can, we can agree on the bigger point, which is we need to organize and we need to right. show uh, show that to to you know to the world, to this country, to the politicians, and everything like that. That's then that's what we need to do. That's accomplishing what we what we need to accomplish because we can't have this like, oh well, this isn't good for me. So then I'm not going to get on board. It's like, well, maybe you don't want to do this, but it's good for the whole field. 
know what right. I mean? Like maybe That's it doesn't right. impact you personally and how you practice and how you approach practicing, but it's still important. And I think, I think we're getting that. I think we're starting to get that. And I think people are like, Hey, you know, I can be involved. I'm not going to agree with everybody, but the bigger picture is what we're all focused on. Right. And so, and let's yeah. talk about that bigger picture because there are lots and lots of people that I talk to on a daily basis who have taken sort of a, it's a, it's a misguided approach, which is why would we even want to be a part of a broken medical system? Okay. Well, I understand that. However, um, the horse is out of the barn on this. You're already a part of it and you didn't even have any say in it. And you're continuing to not have any say in it <laughs> as they point. are continuing to drop the prices that they want to pay, you know, for this particular service, which is not a service to me. This is a beautiful system of medicine that in the beginning is going to be treated like a modality. But if we get our foot in the door, not forever, you know, they, we don't have any say in it right now. So if you think you can duck your head in the sand, just know this acupuncture for chronic low back pain is already being covered and now you with a certain population have to have supervision to do it albeit there's some you know the jury's out on what that actually looks like and they haven't really offered enough guidance on that but you can see that they are priming the ground for acupuncture to be covered in its entirety and they are going to want to pay you from 3.55 down to 0.48 for that and we cannot afford that. We cannot afford to live. So, and then it, again, it affects all of these other systems, you know, I mean, from, from uh, systems that would normally use CPT down to like workers' comp, they may turn around and adopt more of the, the, the Medicare fee schedule, which would be uh, tragic for acupuncturists working inside of these systems nationwide. It would be tragic. So it's happening whether you like this or not, right? So we don't have any choices anymore about whether or not we're involved because guess what? They're going to cover it. They're just not going to cover us. And so oh, we have to, yeah, we have to protect a, ourselves. I've right? seen a lot of, uh, of celebration in different, uh, uh, articles that were shared on social media and it's saying, you know, Hey, this, uh, this hospital is offering acupuncture. And then you read the article and it's MDs. It's MDs. That's we're not exactly in it. Right. You know, no. it's a, George Carlin said, you know, it's a, he said something to the effect of, you know, it's a, it's a club and you're not in it, you know, or That's something right. to that he said it much better than that. But I mean, the point is there's a big old club out there, you know, a whole field of, 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 uh, professionals offering acupuncture but you're not part of it and you're that's like right. wait a minute that's what i went to school for that's what i've right. studied in my life that's too. what i'm well that's what i'm six figures in student loan debt for oh yeah that too you know and so for especially i i'm a I, i've always said this i'm a baby acupuncturist i i i've been in you know practicing for um coming up on five years now so for for my cohort for those people who are graduating so late we are looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with no job prospects. So why be a part of the SSA? Well, let's talk about that. Federal student loan forgiveness programs. We're currently locked out of that unless you work for a 501c3, which are typically going to be your hospitals, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't, we don't qualify for that at all. And, and yet, I mean, there are some programs. Indian Health Services is starting to hire acupuncturists. They started, I believe, in 2011 or 12. And then they sort of dropped off the map in 2019, but picked it up again in 2020. But let's be clear, all of those positions got filled very, very quickly. And they're not offering them to too many people. Um, However, for those that did get those positions, they qualify for federal student loan forgiveness. And that is something that uh, is highly interesting to me. Definitely, and I'm one of four acupuncturists in the family, so I'm pretty sure every single one of my cousins is highly interested in that as well. Um, 
that's one of the bigger benefits, right? <laughs> um, if they if they pass the the guideline that that drops the amount that they're going to pay acupuncturists, I, I got to be honest, I'm running out of reasons to to be like, yeah, we should be involved. But student loan forgiveness programs are, by and large, the biggest one. Residency programs, CMS pays for like 95% of residency programs. And I don't think any acupuncturist would disagree with the, the fact that we could be elevating our industry just by virtue of having um, residency programs be readily available to future students, right? So that right. their doctorates mean something. And, and it, don't get me wrong. I don't want people walking away saying, oh, she said our doctorate didn't mean something. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying my doctorate means something to me However, it doesn't mean anything to the federal programs that I want to work in necessarily, you know? So those are the types of things that become incredibly important. We need to elevate the industry and we can't do that uh, if, we, if we are fighting each other. And we are still fighting each other. I heard a rumor this morning that there might be a group out there who is challenging ACOM as the accrediting body for our schools, which, you know, I, I actually picked up the text, looked at it and said, I love waking up to a rumor that basically proves that this industry is still its own worst enemy. You know, like everyone needs to focus. We have Can you, can you expand on that just a little do. bit? Can you mention that again? Expand on it? Uh, I, well, I don't have, right now it's a rumor and I don't want to put that out there. I just... Those are the types of things that we're dealing with. That oh, just more of it, yeah, of an over, like yeah. an example of, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you know, it, it's, it really is, we are our own worst enemy, especially when the rumors start flying. And boy, several of those have had to be, have had to be dispelled over the past year as well. Right. Different things right. that come up. And, and really, it really comes down to that's why you consult with your professional organizations, please. Because right. if something's out there in the ether and it doesn't sound right or it sounds extreme or a little bit too, you know, sensational, probably is. Let's right. That's find right. out what's really going on. Well, and it really is important to use your organizations because regulatory agencies will tell you if you flood them with letters outside of when they've opened up a public comment period, that goes in the trash. They, they, that's not how we do things. You need to use your associations. They need to hear from your state associations and your national organization so that it has more impact, right? You can flood them all day long. If they get 4,000 letters like they did for this public comment period, and they do have to go through them in a public comment period. But outside of that, you're, you're not allowed to lobby these organizations with any sort of expected effect whatsoever. So on a federal level, it needs to come from the national org that is supported by the states. And our states need to be able to capture all of the, the kids that are coming out of schools. They need to be able to capture um, all of their state licensees because ultimately, uh, and I say this to ASNI all the time, you know, ASNI was able to uh, add almost 200 new members during COVID because of the work that they were doing, they were, they were making sure that we were getting on the essential services list, which we were not on initially in New York. Mm -hmm. They wrote a reopening guideline, which was used by lots of states, lots of other states, and definitely through the national organization. We, we loaned that out um, because it was important. And um, that, that resulted in, like I said, almost 200 new members, which is great, but it is still a fraction of the number of licensees out there in New York, it's 4,500 plus licensees. And we're still talking about, you know, 700 acupuncturists that actually still includes a student population. So not even that, right. We're looking at more like a little over four, 400. And so at that point, we're looking at just having 10% of the market and that is replicated state by state by state. And in California, it's even more difficult because there's so many different organizations. And so I want to give a shout out to CISOMA, who is an ASA member. And I, I don't know the status of CalAtma, but I know they were trying to do good work out there too. 
those are the organizations that are still struggling to make sure that they are being, you know, that they have enough members to stay afloat and to stay alive. And they have to split that time among literally 30 organizations in the state of California. And they have 14,000 plus acupuncturists to capture, but they've divided their audiences based on a variety of things, ideology, ethnicity, you name it, it's a problem. And so we, we're still fighting for that market share right there. But as I tell Asney all the time, when we do something or don't do something, <laughs> when we do something, we still get either Asney doesn't represent all of us or worse, and this is the thing that I hate the most, when things are, you know, they, they turn around and they say, where was Asney? So we are either expected to uh, represent the entire industry who only a fraction are members, but we are actually just a member organization. We have to poll and survey and do what our members want. And yet we still, because we've opened base camp to non-members, especially during COVID, because we're all in this together, and we open our Facebook page to non-members. And we are getting ready to kind of close that down because um, we've populated our committees so well during COVID. What used to be, you know, the same, I don't know, four to 10 people who are working on things and they suffer from burnout and it's the board and they're tired. Now we have committees that have, um, you know, they're from 18 to sometimes 54 people and they're working together. So they really are learning how to do this, right? We have to capture the market and, and make sure that we are providing them with, you know, what we can do for them in order to be able to turn around and say, we represent this industry. Right. So, yeah. You know. And I want to go back to a fact that I brought up before that I really want, I hope that the next day on the Hill, when it does happen, um, if and when, is, you know, we need even more. We had record turnout the last one, but it was still a fraction of what other industries uh, have for their turnout. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, if you yeah. Wanna, and I, it, and was, I, it was 183 acupuncturists, which was historic, right? Mm -hmm. But two months prior, the physical therapist came to town and they put 16,000 people on the hill. <laughs> I had an interesting statistic earlier from, um, from um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So in 2019, uh, 200,000 physical therapists put that as their, their occupation right? Whoa, okay. So they can, they can be counted and they can be counted easily and well, and then that's going to affect programs like the DOD and VA and um, whether or not they say it's a good idea to go to physical therapy school. I mean, they make all those determinations based on that. Guess how many, and this does not include solo practitioners, guess how many acupuncturists filled out a W-2 and put their profession down as a licensed acupuncturist? Uh, it's it's going to be a lot fewer. <laughs> it is. It's going to be around 450. 450. And this is, you know, this is, a, I mean, this is another, could be another segue, but, um, you know, into the fact that, you know, I, I see these opportunities with greater acceptance at the federal level as more job opportunities That's right. with the Department of Defense, which now has much of the Department of Defense has a bias against licensed acupuncturists. A lot of these departments don't even want to hear the words Chinese medicine. So our in will be acupuncture. That's, That's how right. we get in. And, you know, but all these job opportunities at the VA, at the DOD, and I've heard a few people, you know, uh, okay, maybe more than a few, but you know, all they, they scoff at, oh, look what they're only paying. I mean, do you... <laughs> These are good-paying jobs. They have benefits. It is. They have health. They have they, benefits. That's yeah. right. They a lot have of people. federal <laughs> benefits. It's it's really actually it's a you know I go back to this all the time. Like you look at the division in California, which could be resolved in one fail swoop, just changing one word. Um, they they make these practitioners in order to be licensed in the state. They have to take the California exam. And they could take the NCCAOM AOM exam too, right? They're not keeping them from doing that, but it, 
for licensing purposes, they want that California exam out there. Now, it's, it becomes this um, burden on practitioners who want to take part in federal programs because each of these federal programs does require that NCCAOM exam. So what would be better in California is to, to allow their practitioners who are going to stay in the state to also be licensed with either one of those tests. So it should just say or, right? Right, right. In order to be licensed, you can take the, the I, I never know how to say this. Is it Kale or Cal-E? <laughs> um, I don't remember. Okay. And or, or not and, they could take the, um, the national exams because then there is less of a burden to entry for these practitioners. These tests are expensive right? <laughs> they're, they're expensive yeah. to sit for and they're expensive and it requires a great deal of them. So ostensibly you pay, you know, over $500 just to be allowed to sit for the exams. And, and I understand that. Um, and then that's 300 per test, depending on how you could be spending $1,200. So 1700 just to enter the field. So right. if you start looking at being locked out of jobs at, at military sites, at VA sites, because you can't afford to sit for, you know, both exams right away, then, then we are really losing opportunities there. And we're, and we're taxing and burdening our students yes. right out of the gate. And a large percentage of acupuncture students and practitioners are in California. Some 13, right. 14,000, I believe. That's right. And, and so, you know, again, just, and it goes back to just because maybe, one person, a practitioner is not interested in these job opportunities doesn't mean it's not better. It's not good for the greater good of the field, right? It's, it's a positive right. thing for the, right. for the field. So we need to really start thinking about globally more, you know, what, what, how these, how, how everything, how, how our past behavior and lack of interest and lack of participation has led to where we are now and why more now, now more than ever, we need to get involved and we need to really support and, you know, step one, like you said before, join your state association. Right. Um, and, and that's, step two, make sure that they are members of the ASA. Yeah, right? exactly. That's key. And then, and then if you have time to volunteer or you have money to give or you have both, then get involved because apathy has gotten us nowhere. And also apathy. I would say, I would say in this industry, apathy has actually been one of the causes of where we are. But the other cause is there, there's actually a lack of apathy, right? They are very interested in getting their way and nobody can agree. And so we can't, we can't keep going this route um, because we're going to look up and we're going to see our entire industry um, being on the outside looking in while other professions are performing and not well, by the way, not well, <laughs> they are right. performing our medicine. And that's going to transform the way acupuncture is looked at on the inside. Like we have to, we have to be able to get our foot in the door. Otherwise, and, and hear me out. We could be, the most viable, one of the greatest additions to Western medicine in recent history. We, we have a way with our patients. There is a love for us and what we do. And so, yes, they could seek us outside of this, but by and large, they're going to want to see us inside so that it's reimbursable. And our patients don't care what it's reimbursed or how it's reimbursed. They just want what we do. And it is vastly different than those who are performing dry needling or those who even, um, you know, limited their education uh, to 300 hours. You can't learn the system of medicine in 300 hours. You can be a good doctor who, who has some acupuncture skills, but it's the right. medicine. The medicine. The theory. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, I mean, we really need to utilize our, the acupuncture as an in to uh, bringing Chinese medicine as a whole. That's right. And, that's right. Uh, yeah, I think that that's something that we're, you know, we're going to see more of, and I think that that's really important. And and let's just have a quick segue into scopes of pra scope of practice issues. Okay. Um, I haven't heard anything about the nurses in Washington State. Have you 
Oh, they changed the, they didn't even go through the legislative process. It just changed. They just wrote it into their scope of practice and their board was like, yep, seems good. <laughs> and, and it was done. Nobody's contesting this? Oh, for sure. You've got people in Washington state who are so upset. Um, uh, the Washington Eastern, East Asian Medicine Association, right? I believe it's WEMA, mm-hmm. um, was hotly contesting this the the question then becomes you know how much how much clout do they have um and and versus the nurses right right and the nurses are the most trusted profession in the nation and and their clout by the way just only went up during covid and they were they were you know like foregoing um tests that people have to get certified they were pulling them out of schools just to put them on the front lines which is mm-hmm. kind of sad for new nurses right but at yeah. the same time we could have been there too you know there's lots that we could and and we we pointed this out in in new york as essential services we could keep non covid related people out of hospitals because of our work in pain management and substance use disorders, right? Oh yeah. We can handle the emotional uh, things that maybe, maybe there's a turf battle with the the psychologist. I I don't even want to go there. The fact is we know we can handle stress and isolation and, you know, just even a face to face to talk to your acupuncturist can talk people off a ledge. So, so there's this beauty in COVID, right? Because acupuncturists never could see their way into telehealth before, but they can see it now. And we realize that we have more tools in our toolboxes, which unfortunately may actually lead to more turf battles in scope of practice in the States. Yeah, the telehealth medicine, you know, has been, a lot of people have taken advantage of that and have really run with it. And uh, many people are still doing uh, telehealth consults and everything over the phone, it is possible. It is. It, it is. And it, it is. also and requires herbal medicine, which we definitely are encouraging more practitioners to expand that offering. That's right. And and there, so there's an interesting point. There, there, you know, like the state of Maryland, it's herbs are in scope, but the largest school in Maryland, you don't, you're not required to take herbs in order to have your doctorate in acupuncture, and yet you can absolutely prescribe them once you get your license. So, you know, that needs to be cleaned up. <laughs> There's a, a lot of <laughs> loose sure. ends here for sure. Yes. Yes. So are they going to be able to do anything in Washington to, are, are nurses actually um, able to practice acupuncture now? Yeah. Or, yeah. They, they yeah. Oh, I don't know if they are. I mean, the, the, I thought their, their strategy was brilliant. They, they were like, uh, okay, so doctors only require 300 hours. We'll say 400. <laughs> And so they've already got more integrity, right? Yeah, and right. and they didn't even go through a legislative process. So it will it remains a, to be seen. It remains right? to be seen. So is there a way to push them into the legislative? Is there a way that the state organization can say, no, we're gonna contest this and then, you know Sure, but it requires funds and and they participation. They, they would need yeah, they would need help with that. And and I also think it would that's where the national organization too needs to, to kind of shift focus and make sure that they're taking care of their state associations as well, because, you know, one state will affect the others. And, and once, you know, just like dry needling, once they had precedence, I would say once, once Illinois fell, um, we, they, you know, we had a problem. And so the, that's just going to continue. And so we need to we need to focus on the things that are going to help us the most, and that that really is to increase jobs for our students coming out, and that's going to happen better on a federal level. And yes, we can we can sort out the differences with regards to how we're being reimbursed and and what that looks like, but we have to be in there. And so um, you know, I I recognize that I'm sitting here telling licensed acupuncturists like myself to put your blinders on and go for something that is going to help you down the road. In the meantime, they just seem to be taking more and more and more from, from us, even inside the system. But at the same time, that that's going to continue to happen whether we participate or not. So 
Personally, I would like to see acupuncturists, licensed acupuncturists in every hospital in the nation, in every federal program, and not in small numbers, and not as technicians, but for the medicine that they are able to, to practice at the full, like the height of their education uh, moving forward. And we will on uh, TCM Hub, which is um, a Facebook group that uh, Michael Peluso and Chris Valeski are heading. Um, there will be a podcast coming up with Heather Peterman, who is and has brought Chinese medicine into hospitals. So I think that'll be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, more people doing things like that. Heck yeah, we we need that. Right. Well, it, yeah, I, I think by and large, more than more than that, too, because I'm always so proud of the people who are it's not like we're not there. We do have some presence. Right. Sure. But yeah. I really, really wish it was it was easier for those people who kind of smashed through that glass ceiling to be able to turn around and and help up a bunch of us into these programs. And that's what and so I, that we're not. A yeah. novelty. Well, I'm hoping that the podcast you know, informs and motivates and inspires people to, to do this. And maybe we do get a working, you know, some more people working on this. That'd be phenomenal. That would be. And, and like I said, we are going to be, you know, I have, um, I have trademarked the, uh, the AccuVist program coming out of, of HPI. And, and we are going to, because we want to work with the state associations and help them on a large scale, but we also recognize, and this is just sad, but true, that even when I'm encouraging people, please join your state association and, and thereby and encourage uh, national um, affiliation and membership, that the largest group of acupuncturists are the unaffiliated, right? And so by hook or by crook, the goal is to train this army uh, through every avenue possible from national down through the states to just individuals who really are concerned about um, the possibility of being shut out of our own medicine. <laughs> just yeah. shut out. And to, and to wrap this up on a positive note, um, and well, if you have any positive words too, um, I want to say that, you know, look at everything that's been accomplished with so few people busting their butts and really working hard volunteering and at these organizations, look at what we've accomplished. Imagine what more we can do. And uh, you know, these, these state associations are improving constantly as needs going to have a new platform, incredibly supportive for their members and for other members too, for other acupuncturists, uh, even out of state. And that's that's a whole nother topic we can probably talk about another day. But I really want to say that it's not to be negative and doom and gloom. It's to rally up everybody. Let's all join in on this. Let's, you know, really focus on the common goal, the bigger picture. And we we, we can make a lot of noise and and influence a lot of improvements if we work together. That's exactly right. And and, and only, I can't can't say this loud enough, so I'm going to say it loud enough for everybody in the back in the cheap seats. We only do this by working together. Mm -hmm. There is no other way because having piecemeal um, efforts isn't going to, um, it's not going to be impressive. We have to stand together. And That's so, the only way it's going to get done. There's it's not the going to be. Way. There's no great savior. There's no one person that's going to do it. It's all going to be done together. That's right. It's the army. It is the mm-hmm. the groundswell of licensed acupuncturists coming together to you know like you you ball those five fingers up and you make a mighty fist and it makes a mighty blow, right? So, Kelly, how do people find out more about HPI and the ASA and their state organization? Well, they can go to the ASA website and find their state organization there and contact information. How else can they get in touch with, with you and HPI and find out more about that? Well, um, so I keep telling people this all the time. I, because my husband died when he did, I still have to do like housekeeping things like actually 
put together a website, but I've been working the whole time right. and I need to finish my master's in public health, which happens <laughs> oh, on the 29th. Congrats. Yeah. November. Yeah. You're getting Thank a ma- you. master's of public health. That's incredibly That's important. Right. And why did you choose to get an MPH? So prior to, I mean, it, it's always been a dream of mine, but it was happening at the same time because it, it my MPH has a, an emphasis in policy and administration. And so but at the same time, I wanted to go to acupuncture school. And so I chose that first. And then um, this opportunity came along to, you know, honestly, it was just, I, need, I needed to do this because I work in a federal environment and I'm a consultant to a lot of congressional offices and um, caucuses and regulatory agencies that I would actually like to work inside of at some point, possibly, but they don't really, they're not talking to me as a doctor of acupuncture or oriental medicine. They do spend a lot of time listening to people who have a master's in public health. And so I just, I wanted to take it, I I mean, ultimately I would love to be back in the treatment space, obviously, because I miss that. It's good for my soul. But until we make significant changes and, and this is, uh, affordable for people that they can they can actually make a living at this. I feel like I have a higher calling, and that needed to be. Um, I needed to open those doors a little wider for me because I do have a listening audience in a federal arena, yeah. but it will be cemented um, with that master's in public health. Absolutely, so, and no better time to study public health, right? I mean, it, it, to to do that in a pandemic has been um, life changing altering for sure well congratulations and that's to, to keep learning and keep going through programs i think uh I, yeah that's a in lot january, to do. They can, yeah i know but they, they it's worth it and so um as of january because that's what i'm going to take my winter to do that and sleep i need to sleep i think everybody needs to sleep this year and embrace God, yeah. the winter but uh, ultimately you will be able to reach me in january at www.sustainableinfluence.org because that's the goal we want you to anybody can lobby Right, right, right. But, but can you have a sustainable influence? That's, That's a great, great name. I love it. Thank you. Love it because it really is all about consistency. Keep going, keep pushing, and yep. keep keep your voice out there and keep you know, yeah, keep pushing. So this is phenomenal, and uh, we'll have to have you back on again. This you, been... you know what? I told you I would lay down in traffic for you. So oh, you're too you, kind. you can you can do that uh, anytime, anytime. And and also, like I said, I look forward to seeing you down at a Wild Dunes Resort um, in November. Heck yeah, so I will absolutely can... be there. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, at least it'll be pretty this time and we won't get <laughs> shot at if we leave the building. So. <laughs> and, and I don't think the traffic will be as bad either. So No, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. And, oh God, and the New Jersey not, people are going to hate us now. Oh no. You know it's what? Newark. Uh, Come on. It's Jersey Newark. People not even, like Newark. <laughs> they didn't stay at that hotel. Everybody from Jersey went home. So I'm <laughs> not, I don't even want to hear, I don't want to hear about it. But the yeah. truth is you haven't lived until, you know, I mean, Charleston actually prosecuted more pirates than any other place in U.S. history. And so you haven't lived until you've taken an on-the-water pirate bar crawl. <laughs> so, nice. So there's, yeah. there it is. It's fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> you're already pushing the what to do when you're at the ASA annual meeting. Oh, that's, you know, this is Atlantic Symposium. So I believe that ASA actually had to push their meeting to even before uh, the Atlantic Symposium. I haven't heard any information oh, about that. Right. I, I think, yeah, I I think it's confused. still in D.C. In And I, I hope it's in D.C. Yes. We were so, there as well last year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal, the goal definitely is to support that national organization as much as possible before they actually have to take to the Hill. The issue right now is, of course, um, the Hill is shut down. You know, so yeah. they may have to push even further. We want to we want to wish them the best of luck in sorting through all of that during these times. I mean, even I, I even worry about a November meeting, but in South Carolina, they don't care. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Right. So, I look forward to it. It'll be awesome. 
Likewise. Both of them. Likewise. So well, thank you, Callie, so much for your time and expertise. Really yeah. do appreciate it. The field has been really fortunate to have you on board and um, just thank you. That's a, it's really. a likewise, honestly, because Josh, what you're doing is so incredibly important. I can, I can shout into the wind and what you've done is, is allow for um, the spread of this information and, and that's really incredibly important. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Anytime, anything I can do to help, I, I'll be there for you and for the profession as a whole. And for more Clear Path to Success podcast, you can go to um, blocktalkradio.com and just search Clear Path to Success. You can go to the website, clearpath2success.com. We have a whole lot of, uh, a bunch of free webinars there. You can check out, get a sample of everything we have to offer. We also have paid webinars approved for NCC AOM PDAs, a variety of those, and we're adding more all the time. And then you could also check out the Facebook group, Clear Path to Success as well. Um, that's, that's it. And uh, we'll see everybody on the group and we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Callie. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, consider joining our Facebook group. Just search for Clear Path to Success Professional Development. Thank you all again.